June 19, 2021. It's the Watt for Pedro Show.
Rock for Pedro Show. Happy Saturday. Not getting any feedback going there. What? 20 years of doing this show and I'm still fucking blowing clams. Start off with I Never Knew from John Coltrane. Then David Schlosser, Zadok with Kubrick. Maybe something to do with that director, man. That only 13 movies, but they're fucking kind. Yeah. <laughs> Check them out, people. Ah, you can hear. I'm not totally man alone. Yeah, Brother Matt, he's at the Love Grotto on the Pleasure Point still. We're coming out of quarantine. Quentin Quarantino mode, but because of those software engineers in Estonia with their Skype invention, I got David Susser with me. I, I pronounced that fucked up. Uh, David Slusser? Slusser. Slusser, okay. So sorry. We got to thank the brutal sound effects crew for the Connect, Dave. Uh, yep. He who cannot be named wish the collective to be given credit. Well, it's a great movement. Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, sound, noise. You had Tim Perkis on here recently on Beautiful, your Beautiful, yeah, just a few days ago. Yeah, he's part of a, you know this gang of us. There's you know 100 musicians, 50 musicians that have been active in this scene for decades. And it's a self-perpetuating thing. It's a great community. I think people come move to San Francisco to experiment. But there's some stuff, too, back east. Uh, I had Al Margolis on. And this cat goes back to the cassette. Yep. I mean, it's new for what? I remember there was a band in the city called Black Humor, and they had this line in this tune. It goes, the only thing new is you finding out about it. About the old <laughs> shit, yes. <laughs> That's right. You know, here, at one time I thought I knew every zine, every punk band, and there was all this stuff slipping under my sonar or whatever. Yeah, Look, well, let's, let's check out, Dave, your journey through music. Can you bring your earliest musical recollection, please? Oh, God. This is, uh, I thought about this before. I have actually written about this uh, for some uh, interview. And it was, the earliest is, uh, I was about two years old. And it was evening. And I was in a crib in, uh, I guess, my parents' bedroom in this little house, a peaked room. I remember the peaked ceiling. And I, you don't remember stuff very clearly. <laughs> I can't from remember two at all. <laughs> right. Well, I remember there was a warm yellow light with a lamp on the table and the frilly curtains and a dark window. And there, I remember the bars of the crib, okay. the wooden bars in the crib. And there was music. I, I couldn't, I didn't know what it was. It was, but it was lovely and soothing. Mysterious. And probably instrumental because I would have figured out if I would have heard a voice, but there was no voice. So it was just this sound. And I started calling for my mom and they were that probably downstairs entertaining and had the radio on. So we, uh, my older siblings couldn't hear all the dirty words and, or something, but I had to call out to my mother and say, what is that? You know, what, what's going on? I couldn't figure out what the hell it was. And she just said that it was the radio. And I, that prompted even more questions, but there was this ethereal sound coming through the air and she just uh, put her hand on my forehead and patted my head and said, just listen and go to sleep. And that's exactly what I did. But that was that was my earliest musical recollection because I, I actually had to dig that out of for another uh, interview at, at one point. What was the earliest? And that that definitely doesn't get much earlier than that. No, and like you're you know you you're fucking understanding her English and stuff. <laughs> Two years well, old. <laughs> yeah, we we're, we have precocious kids in the family. My kids now, were like that. Now, in the pad that you grew up there with the peaked roof. Was there any musical instruments that, as you got beyond the crib? Yeah, yeah. Uh, for a while, we lived, uh, shortly after that, we lived in my uh, grandparents' old house for a while. And my dad's baby sister had a 
toy piano, but it was, you know, the deluxe kind with all the black notes and white notes working. <laughs> and they had they had the old family piano that my dad grew up on. So I had those two things. And I, I remember reaching up, playing the big piano. I, I couldn't even see the keys, but I was reaching up and playing the piano from a very early age. And then I'd play the little one. And my my mom would say, you're like Schroeder in Peanuts. Because <laughs> I've just spent hours on it. Oh, that's great. Now, did you have to go through the lesson thing? No, 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 absolutely not. Lessons were not. My older sister took lessons, but le- music lessons weren't for boys. Okay, okay. And, you know, but yeah. I eventually, uh, we, I have, there were four kids, and they all wanted, they wanted us all to be in band. Not because they wanted us to be musicians. You're Far talk- from it. You're talking about at school. School band. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's where we got got the training, and it was to keep us out of trouble. They definitely did not want us to become musicians. No, I can relate because D Boone's mom made me and him make a band just so we would be in the pad after school, and not get in trouble. Exactly. Kind of childcare. So, was it the marching band? Was it the choir? Or- it was marching band and concert band. Uh, I eventually got into orchestra as well. Uh, well, what did you work? Uh, what instrument? I ended up on the tenor sax. Oh, great. And John Coltrane. Ew, that's the other <laughs> thing about your program. It's like, oh, I have to, it's like a blindfold test because I have a huge Coltrane record collection and you're playing all this great Coltrane. So it's really hard to follow, <laughs> follow John Coltrane. But I came up through the school band route and uh, learned all my siblings' instruments. So my brother played trumpet, my sister played the flute and piano, my little sister played clarinet, and I I learned all of their instruments. So I was like multi-instrumentally all over the place. Wow! My my parents wouldn't allow electric guitars in the house at all. Okay. You know they were they were very strict. They did not want us to be in the rock and roll thing. So I had to. I had all this musical curiosity and. The, the school band was the was the outlet. Well, let me uh, speaking of rock and roll. What was the first record you bought with your own money? Oh, um, <laughs> was it rock and roll? Uh, rhythm and blues, probably. Okay. Uh, and we bought forty fives back in sure, the sure. Me too. My first one was American Woman by the Guess Who. Oh. <laughs> and you well, got them at the drugstore. Yeah, exactly. 50, and I 50. think the first the first one I bought that I can remember. I was, it was actually for my brother's birthday. So it was the name game by Shirley Ellis. Oh, okay. Chuck, Chuck, Bobuck, Banana <laughs> Man. You know, you know, you got that. Well, my brother's name was Charlie or Chuck. Okay. And, and if you did the name game right, you'd have to say, fuck. <laughs> so that's why I bought that 45. Now, what about the first gig you went and saw? Well, gig or concert or something like that live music live music because kids don't go to bars well the first live music would be like at an amusement park where like in the ballroom a big band would be playing so i heard my parents like big band music this is in the mid 50s they still had big bands locally or it would be like at a, a fish fry somewhere and there would be a polka band so polka music and big band music were the first live music that I heard. Oh, okay. Yeah. This gig I went to was uh, with D Boone and we saw T-Rex. Oh gosh. But <laughs> everybody okay, but, always says that. <laughs> but the first, the first teen show, the first teeny bopper show that I went to, uh, 
I was in uh, fifth or sixth grade, and it was Gary Lewis and the Playboys, oh. Sam Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs, sure. and and Uno the Yardbirds. <laughs> and, yes, and the Yardbirds with both Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page in oh, the band. Oh wow! You know that that you know Wooly Bully. Yes, I mean it's. I think nineteen sixty five or and he says don't be L seven. I mean that's pretty sophisticated. Oh, that was I was well. That's how I got off into the R and B thing because I played my instrument in band was a saxophone, and the right. main reason I played tenor was my dad knew a guy, one of his uh, buddies, was an alto player, and he had an old beat up tenor that he would sometimes double on. So when I started in school band, I wanted sax, and so my dad made a deal with his friend, and they got this beat up old tenor, and that was you know I had to struggle with that for years. Whoa. Was it a summer? Oh hell no! It was a, it was a, <laughs> it was the guy's double horn. It was just like oh a okay yeah or like he would double on or Charlie Parker on the cover of that Massey Hall gig. He's got a plastic margin, a white alto. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, because he was always pawning it and shit. I read yeah. in the Miles book. Uh, I love- here, I want to play stamps. Yeah. The pedal that I had to work the stapler with was a repeating kind of pedal, so as long as you held it down, it would keep firing. So uh, if you kept your foot down too long, you'd hit your hand, so you had to be very careful. As day went on, it got increasingly difficult to do because you get fatigued. And again, if you were hung over, like we were a lot, we, you know, we were young people, drank too much in the evening to forget what we were doing, it became increasingly difficult to, In the mill. Life in the mill. I mean, the steel mean you could die real fast. I made $100 a week, and I thought I was in Fat City. I thought I was in Fat City. Oh, afterwards, you drank a lot. A lot of guys were just out of high school in the young 20s. So they were yahooing it up all the time. Break for lunch at 11.30 and uh, go across the river to this bar, try to slam down at least two beers, at least two and a half hours to slam down. And of course you're smoking substances there and back. My hands pinched a couple of times, and I know guys lost their fingers doing that stuff. I caught on fire a couple of times. I caught on fire, I was, uh, 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 and, uh, there were days when I'm just surprised nobody was killed.
Living, loving, working. Living, loving, working. Living, loving, working. But Sean, profane and vain babbling. What shall we do? He said, turn on the stereo. In the twinkling of an eye, in a fleeting moment, in the space of a heartbeat, in the minuteness of a transient second, we need to be careful about our words. Our ears simply are not garbage cans. In the word, you can find milk. Strange experiences through the use of psychedelic drugs.
loving, working, living, loving, working. In the dust of a in the rapidness of a lightning flash, in the quick reflection of a scintillating star, in the untrammeled echo of feeling fun, in the quick travel of celestial light. Pedro Show, David Slusser with Damps and Zadik. I should say Slash Zadik because that's the way you put the credit. And then the Go Team after that, brand new from them, A Bee Without Its Sting, which contains Brother Sam, which I made a song called No Bee Sting because several years ago. Trippy. The Hellbeans, brand new from them out of England. There Goes My Outfit. Blood Quartet out of Barcelona. That's Mark Cunningham from Mars. Invoke. Great stuff. And uh, Scotty Irvin out of North Carolina with the Klein Quartet. Alter of Breath. Love it. Joe Morris and Damon Smith, brand new. Uh, St. Louis. Multiple Presences. And finally, David Slusser and Zadok with Hip Replacement. Ah. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean... It's amazing. I, I, it's trippy how you came from such a, you know, kind of, I'm not going to say institutionalized, but formal thing with the music, with the school band and stuff, to this really, but that's the way it works, right? Yeah. A farmer would tell you, if you want a good crop, use a lot of manure. <laughs> well, there is a lot of manure in my music. <laughs> well, also institutionalized academia, maybe too. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever, right? You, it's all... Uh, grist for the mill, huh? And to to become what you're going to be. And so, what happened? Since no electric guitar, no electric bass, no rock and roll drums, uh, no rock and roll piano. What about after school? Not graduated, but in the afternoon. Did you get into the be- a bedroom band, a basement oh, band, garage band? Because this is way before ska band. So, like, <laughs> right? That's where the kids in the with the horns could finally get in the bands. <laughs> I tried for years to like get a, you know, with the the black high school in the next uh, neighborhood over, tried to get a rhythm and blues band together, and it never never happened. But uh, well, at least you fucking tried. That's great. Sure. And at home, all the guys, we, my brother finagled away. He he, uh, my parents wouldn't get us guitars, but he, at his first job, he uh, said, "I'll buy my own." acoustic guitar and they can't get in trouble for that so i followed the same route whenever my brother would he went from ukulele to guitar to 12 string so whenever he would upgrade he would sell me his old guitar or ukulele 
so he could afford, you know, just sure, a little sure. bit of money to buy the next one. So I started on ukulele and moved up to guitar. And, you know, you play and you shut the bedroom door, you put on the record or the radio. I just played along with the radio on guitar and ukulele. And, you know what? Uh, that, 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 that was... Hardly anybody on the show says that, but in the old days, that's what a lot, because you didn't know the next song coming in. It was great training for rhythm and your ear. Yep, right on. Okay, but yep. but but you're not really writing your own material. You're like me and D. Boone, trying to learn off records in the radio. Yeah, just uh, just trying to be with it. You yeah. know, I remember, uh, I think the first thing I learned was Blowing in the Wind, because Peter, Paul, and Mary had the big hit right at that time I was playing ukulele. And then I got interested in Bob Dylan because of that. And I also uh, learned uh, the Kinks, the you know all, whatever their first day on All Night or whatever. I learned that on ukulele. Oh, yeah. And then shortly after that, I moved to guitar. Speaking of Jimmy Page, I think he did the lead guitar on that. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I think so. Fantastic. But at song. the same time, uh, about the electronic instruments, when we moved out of my grandparents' old place, we no longer had a piano. So my dad who liked to tinker with playing piano. He just could play white, all the white notes. But he bought uh, a modest Hammond organ, but it had two manuals, and it had the draw bars. So I was, like, I was eight years old, and I was always messing around with the draw bars and learning how how all that worked. And I Tone accidentally, wheels, right? Tone wheels. I learned, yep. Yeah, I learned the overtone series. It was electronic music. That was like my introduction to electronic music was uh, the Hammond organ. Very interesting. Yeah, I know a little bit because my second man, uh, Pete Amazish, plays a B3, and he, he went through the whole dealio with me about it. It's really ingenious how they, that, 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 uh, and also the, the King system with the the brushes and all that stuff. <laughs> oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah, the whole deal. I learned how to play the pedals too. I wasn't very good, but I was self-taught on all this stuff because my parents didn't want us to be musicians. Right, right. So, so there were no private lessons. Yeah. So I just got autodidact. Yeah, exactly. But the crazy thing about the Hammond organ is with the two manuals, I'd have the lower manual and I would just have that on one of the presets and I would play a C. Then I go to the upper manual and just pull out one draw bar and I go play a C, but it's actually sounding like an E on the other manual. Right, right. And then I would pull out, I'd put that draw bar back in and pull out another draw bar, and suddenly I'm playing a C, but it's it's a G on the other thing. And I go, what the hell is that? How could that be? And it, you learn that the overtone series right. are creating a timbre. It's a combination of all those things, plus the fundamental C. So the, I learned uh, that you could, you synthesize the, the texture by adding overtones i learned all that from the hammond yeah and got, well not got, just the hammond but, but but by doing yeah by doing <laughs> you know like you, like a skateboard right you don't pull all these on the first ride you probably fall down <laughs> oh but the I same kind of idea elbows. yeah what what do you mean you got pissed did you, did you hurt the organ no no i got plenty of bruised elbows trying them <laughs> okay. oh and then well the other thing was the tape rec the introduction of a tape recorder that's, right that's I, you know i've had a lot of cats on the show Tape recorder as an instrument, not just a document device. Exactly. Uh, my grandfather was a uh, a ham radio guy, one of my grandfathers, and he would build all those little Heath kit things. And when I was re and he also owned a wire recorder, but when I was real little, he actually built uh, a, a tape recorder and out of 
and housed it in a cigar box from one of those Heath kit things. Yeah. And, and I was completely mesmerized by the thing. And I think when I was in fifth grade, my parents bought me one of those little, uh, you know, three inch reel to reel things. Like you see on um, the beginnings of all the mission impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Same, de- same deal. <laughs> That's what I started on. And, you know, I would, I broke it like th- three or four times it was from Montgomery Wards, and Wards would actually fix stuff back in those oh, days. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sears, too. Like, they had service yeah. things. Yeah. In fact, the Craftsman's Wrench, right? They, yeah, right. They're, they're for life. If you break it, they give you another one. Or they do. Yep. That's that's the uh, old school, man. That was something else. Yeah, yeah. So, you start experimenting. What about oh, yeah. the, uh, the sound on sound thing? Do you stumble onto that? Well, that was with a later... Uh, I bought, you know, I bought another tape recorder used from a lawyer sent friend that my uh, sister would babysit for, uh, and he was selling some stereo equipment. So I bought a reel, a Sony reel to reel that had sound on sound, and then I started overdubbing and stuff like that. But I did on the uh, my first reel to reel back in grade school. If like I would, I burn out one of the rewind motors, and then I saw that the cap stand was actually doing the driving. That's, right. you know, the little rubber wheel against the head. That drive that uh, presses so, the tape against them. So if the if the take-up reels aren't working, you could still play. And then sure. I, I taught myself how to make loops. I was still in grade school. But if the tape breaks, you would fix it with some scotch tape. Yeah. And then I said, what would happen if I made it a loop? And I was doing loops like, you know, six, fifth, sixth, seventh grade. I would do, be making loops. You, uh... Do you, you Derbyshire? Did you, yeah, did you know about English. her? Yeah, the English woman. No, but did you know about her then? No. No, absolutely not. She I was had just... going around chairs and doorknobs and shit. Well, later, later when I got work in film uh, at a the PBS outlet in Cleveland, we were I was on a documentary film unit, and I had to create ambiences, and I would make those. I'd get like two or three. Uh, really long, like 30-foot loops, so you didn't hear the splice point. Right, because right. we had to make our own backgrounds. Half the half the cameramen would shoot without sound, and I would have to recreate it. And, yeah, you have you get a bunch of mic stands around the room, and you disengage the, the take-up reels, and you just run it on a cap stand. Yeah. And I would get, like, two different recorders, tape recorders, playing two different loops of different lengths so that the you never hear the splice points at the same time. And I would record that sound over onto a film recorder, which is just like a, a magnetic tape machine with sprocket holes. Right. So I started learning all these techniques. To, that, was, that was just my day job so that I could be a musician at night. Okay. And what, you work in clubs? I did. <laughs> I did. And uh, what, like mainly on the sax? Yeah, uh... My first gigs were were like casuals. I was still in high school, and uh, later I, you know, was in an R and B band in Cleveland. I was the only white guy in the band, and then I would be working at the TV station at, during the day, yeah. and it got frustrating. So that's when, uh, well, there's a long story. There were several bands, several bands that really did some crazy shit. Okay, okay. We're at the end of the first stop. We're going to get to that. Okay, as much as you want to reveal. But we're at the end of the first hour of the June 19th. Oh, yeah. Happy Juneteenth, people. June 19th, 2021 edition. Watt Pedro Show special guest, 
David Slusser, hold tight for hour two. June 19, 2021, it's the second hour of the lot for Pedro Show.
you know what? This song could be alright. And I could go out tonight. I could unburden myself. I could trap these ants in a jar. And put them on the high shelf. Mr. Kurtz, he alive. He's back. And something is growing inside of him.
Live from Pedro Show, start the second hour off. David Slusser and I, I'm uh, assuming, which is dangerous, I know, but a name like Zorn, it must be Mr. John Zorn. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. And also Zadik, right, the name of his label. Ah, right, that, that was... That's making that was sense for, to me. Okay, it's not, now you got it. There's a Zorn connection there. Okay, in Blue Shadows in the Street, then Ben Salter from Tasmania with Ophiocordyceps unilateral unilateralist shit make it harder brother and then lucas abella out of sydney with k is for keratosis pilaris trapper shope with little drop of medicine you know i have to have those medicine words nothing changes from kiwi jr out of toronto actually they're originally maritime one day i gotta play maritime and then david slusser zadik ill prepared okay so about those little bands and all that stuff. Yeah. That led up to today. What do you want to say about that stuff? Well, I had a uh, a college band and we ended up being the big fish in a small town. And we're really successful and we what we were presenting was mostly improvised. It would be like a, a jam band in today's terminology kind of like the Grateful Dead would be, only we were much more jazzy because I played saxophone. And we had such a, a huge following that we said, oh, we should be a band and take it on the road. And so we tried that for about a year, and we would travel up, up to Ann Arbor, Bowling Green, other colleges in Ohio, Cleveland. We got as far as Buffalo. So we had this regional band that was playing original uh jazz influenced music plus we would do like oak oh, jazz covers if that was what the gig was we played bars we played university we played wherever we could right we'd do blues and we weren't really a cover band but we would do things like when we were under pressure to get people up on the floor to dance we didn't we were all really quick studies or just played by ear really great so we would just go into the vamp of the latest rolling stones records and boom everybody would be on the dance floor <laughs> But we wouldn't know how to play the rest of the song. You just so ahead, we, yeah. Okay. Just, just ahead, and then we would segue into our own shit, and and you know, <laughs> if the bar owner was happy. We got sure. hired back. They didn't care, you know, as long as people were drinking like crazy. I, so. Look, I've read stories about John Coltrane walking the fucking bar. Oh yeah, <laughs> can you imagine that? But you know, you got to do what you got to do, I guess. You know. Yeah, crazy, crazy. But this this group eventually. Uh, we were, like I say, we toured locally for about a, a year in the mid-70s. And ap after I had come to California to see my brother get married, I said, I got to move to California, mostly because of the nude sunbathing <laughs> <laughs> of, of my brother's neighbor anyway. But uh, the, the band, after about six months, the whole band ended up out here in the Bay Area. And we played for years any kind of gig, but mostly still pursuing our... Uh, original music and improvised bass music and kept it going through various in I lost you there. I'm gonna go to Dragon. 在我们村庄后的山上, 住着一条龙, 他从土地里钻出来, 他动起来像一条蛇, 他醒来时, 情绪焦躁, 
，它的气息是火焰，它强壮，它聪慧。但是，他不可激怒，不可较量跳舞，以祈求龙给我们带来和睦和丰收。现在，龙累了。他用他铁钳般的大爪在地上挖掘。听，他像蛇一样钻回山洞。可每当有光线时，它就会飞出高山亲身见过龙吗没见到，大概是因为龙一直在沉睡
McCartney, right, on the saxophone. Chris Ackerman on the drums. Bill Fairbanks. And the inevitable James Slusher. Thanks a lot. We gotta stop. Drive safely. It's dangerous out there. Watch for Pedro show. That chunk of music start off with David Slusser, Zadik doing Dragon, then Joshua M. Robbins with Golden Hair, Joe Cardamone with USA, Sam Lockwood at Iowa City with Beep, Bob Bucko Jr. nearby Dubuque, Driving Eyes Open, PK in the brand new record, DC area, new to you. I, I love this record that Pat Kane did. He's part of Model Home. Solo thing here. And then finally, here's a, a different name. Rubber City with Ring slash Ghost. <laughs> Ring of Fire and Ghost Riders in the Sky. Okay. Okay, okay. That God, that's 60s. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was, this was a, this group, Rubber City, was a group that I did with a, a sax player, recently departed named Ralph Carney. Oh, and all about him in yeah. uh, Tim Huey and had yeah. some of his buddies on the show, right? Yeah. <laughs> Out of Akron. It, uh, Akron. That's why it's Rubber City, because Akron was where all the tires were. Right. Were. We had a band come to Hollywood during the punk, you know, punk scene called the Rubber City Rebels. I remember the name because it was infringement. <laughs> <laughs> But okay. uh, yes, it's uh, so Ralph and I played. He was uh, just out of high school, and I was just out of college, and we played in Ohio together for like one summer, uh, maybe maybe a year year and a half back there. He went to New York. I went to California, and then in 1989 he moved out to California, and we said, "Oh, let's put that old our old thing back together." And so it's two saxes, bass, and drums. Yeah, yeah. T- uh, tell me about this, the John Zorn thing. I mean, you, you gave me so much of this music with Zadik, so uh, must well, that's a profound that, thing, right? Yeah, that's all. All the Zadik stuff is uh, from uh, my z- release that John had me do, which was all music made out of sound. It's sound composition. The whole the whole Zodic CD was sound composition. The name of the CD is Delight at the End of the Tunnel. Okay. But he's not, he's, he's not in the Bay Area. He ain't in California. He's on the other side. Yeah, but John travels across the country. And oh, he absolutely. Cu- curates and cultivates uh, working groups in different cities. And in the 80s, he came out here and through my friends in the Rova Saxophone Quartet, ah. I, got, I got drafted to play electronics in one of his Cobra pieces. And I eventually, he, every time he came out, he would, I would play on his concerts. And then I, uh, went on tour with him briefly, uh, uh, doing Cobra around the country. And as a gesture of friendship, he said, Oh, you can have a release on my new record label, but it has to all be made out of sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> you know, taskmaster. <laughs> He is, he is, he is. Uh, but but that, man, but, I love this music you did for him. It's happening. But the Blue Shadows in the Street was actually uh, one of his tribute albums to Dave Brubeck. So that's right. a Dave Brubeck song, and I'm, I'm, you know, put it together with 
music concrete elements. Music concrete. So you studied stuff like that, huh? No. <laughs> uh, I learned it. Because uh, we didn't really get past high school and shit, but did you, you went to learn music uh, past that? Yeah, I started college. This is uh, probably despite my parents who would never give me, let me take lessons or anything. I taught myself enough that I was writing for big band by the time I got out of high school. Whoa. I, I just taught myself. Yeah, betcha. I got, I got into uh, Miami University as a music major, and I was... We're talking about headed, the Miami by Dayton, right? Correct, Miami, Ohio, <laughs> yeah. I made it there. I studied. I that, That's the first time I actually got to study music. And there was they had a brand new course called electronic music. And it was taught by this guy who became a pioneer in electronic music, David Cope. Oh, I'll yeah. just mention, mention his name. But that was my instructor on the teaching me how to play synthesizers. And 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 I learned about music concrete and actually started making pieces back in, in college as part of that course. Now, you had already been on your own developing your, you, you know, the tape kind of electronic music. Yeah, I, I, and I got to do that further. I said, oh, now I can use it in a piece. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And then With you, you just uh, add into your vocabulary. Well, it's, I learned how to formalize it. Before I was just, you know, guys used to fart and burp, you know, into tape recorders. That's what you did with a tape recorder when you were a kid. <laughs> so this was taking all that, you know, the next learning how to formalize it. So I did get some, when I finally got to college, I did study. Uh, but then I changed majors over to film. The more I learned, I, there were other aspects, you know, especially the electronics part. Uh, I wasn't going to be a band teacher. I was going to, I wanted to be a musician. So, or, a, or something. No, I, I know what you mean. I've had people on the show that have told me that experience. Like, you're going to be a teacher. No, I want to be a musician. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I transferred over to film, and then that's how I got all the film jobs. And I ended up working for uh, uh, Lucasfilm out here and Pixar. They originally were the same company. But I spent years as a, a mixer and a sound editor and a music editor. And all that time, I'm using all their studio equipment. That's how I did the, the Zodic CDs was all on in Lucasfilm's uh, Skywalker studio. Repurposing, repurposing. I had free run of the place. (laughs) All the equipment, I I take home expensive recording equipment, microphones, and my day job at the time was recording weird sounds for all these weird movies or, you know, the space movies and the, you know, all that stuff. Oh, man, Uh, we're at the end of the second hour, so we'll continue on. June 19, 2021, Dishwap Pedro Show, special guest, David Slusser. Hold tight for hour three. June 19, 2021. It's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro show.
talk about 60 hertz power, what that means is that the 115 volts coming out the wall isn't 115 volts at any given time, that's an average. It goes from zero to about 150 volts and back to zero and back to 150 volts. It does that cycle 60 times every second on a sine wave cycle. If you looked at it on an oscilloscope, you'd see a sine wave 60 times a second. And that's where 60 hertz comes from. power system once, running 400 volts, 200 amps, 60 hertz everywhere. I'm in there with a set of wrenches on each phase and the guy turned the power on on the other end. It threw me about 25 feet. My arms, shoulders and back hurt for about three days. Came to after about five minutes, blue in the face. Everyone said, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine, it's only power. But I'm gonna go and kill the guy. He ran away.
Watford Pedro show started the third hour off with David Slusser Zadik doing 60 Hertz. And then uh, Pino Ventana from uh, Baseman Jason from uh, Brooklyn Studio Caesar's Palace. Brother Stephen McKay connect intrinsic, and then Angelo from David Slusser Zadik. So off air, people. Dave was telling me. He's semi-retired, but he's still got resources. So every day, if there's something happening, what do you explain? Well, I have, uh, usually when I work, I have a uh, digital workstation, mixing console, libraries of sound effects, outboard gear. That's been my day, always available as my day gig. So if I like, if I hear something I like, I make something I like, I have it on dab digital media sound files just i just collect them collect weird sounds and then later use the this collection of sounds to make pieces if i get some kind of connection going in my head and the, the, so like the fundamental work is the weird sounds. so you never use the synthesizer like a fake keyboard no no yeah. uh at, well that was the other i had a, a access to it for years at Lucasfilm, I had access to a synclavier in my studio. Wow. 
they had like five synclaviers and I was in a room with one of them and I, you could do whatever you wanted. And that's how you start making, I didn't want to make a fake orchestra. Yeah. I just like play string patches. No, I wanted to make an orchestra <laughs> out of doorbells and right, wind right. chimes. Almost like Jones. Remember that cat in the 50s? Oh, oh, definitely. And actually, his daughter is currently still at Skywalker. She runs the uh, scoring stage. Is that Leslie, right? Leslie Ann Jones. Oh, wow. Great engineer. Shows to go, you. Shows yeah, it sure go. does. But, but I had guy, expressed... Can you imagine, though, like there's no electronic music, but he's kind of laying down some groundwork for you cats. Oh, Absolutely. I had to genuflect before Leslie Ann. I just said, <laughs> your dad was the man. And the cats in his band, they must have had discipline like a motherfucker. Oh, right. Some of those guys, I could, they're on the tip of my tongue. Manny Klein on trumpet. I mean, I know some of the, the guys in the band, their names, because okay. they were so such hot guys. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, it ended up a lot of it, right? Cartoon music. And to, oh, yeah. And to sync that to the imagery in those days. Yep, that's all. The whole genesis of, uh, of of certain types. Well, Zorn had his cartoon music, but there is this synchronization of making music out of sound effects right. in those cartoons. Right. Using and, it, and if you think about it, that's fundamentals of sample work. Absolutely, absolutely. And what is a sample? It's like a little tape recording. That exactly. Yeah. It's, it's trippy how it's all kind of comes together, but then it still can go out and, and you could take it in your own personal way and express yourself. You know, it doesn't have to be all Marlon Blando and generic. <laughs> <laughs> I want to play here Sala.
Why for Pedro? Last music for this edition. Sala, not Sala. <laughs> from the David Slusser and Zadik. Speaking uh, Brother Demos and uh, Shaker Heights. And this. One day he's going to get to watch that video with somebody. <laughs> not Watt. Not, <laughs> yeah, not David. <laughs> and then we had uh, Sawako. Uh, this is something she, a uh, live stream she just did a few days ago for Rodeo Lyrico 21. Auto Talalia. Okay. And then finally, beautiful Ohio, Rubber City, you and Ralph. Uh, yeah. Yeah, which is beautiful. I thought, uh, great last music from you. But the, the Sabaco, you know, this lady works a lot with field recorded. Did you ever get into that? Totally. Uh, yes, is the answer. I had to, part of the job a lot was uh, in my film jobs, even back in Cleveland, was going out and making film, film recordings because the guys would shoot without sound right, a lot of right, the times. Right. So that's that's the main reason you have field recordings, at least as in the in the film business, because you know you have to make up for missing sound. Yeah, and you have and where they were shooting, you know, there might have been a, a highway right next to it, so you have to recreate the sound. So uh, stereo recordings out in the field, crickets, weird ambiences, distant trains, uh, close-up trains. Well, you'll hear in this piece that she did. It's the she's sitting at the beach and the wind is actually flapping on her shirt. There you go. So there's a rhythm there, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, Natural maybe it ain't rhythm. a metronome, but it's probably uh, naturally more accurate. Yep. Yep. <laughs> rhythm, rhythm of nature. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about field recordings. That rhythm of nature stuff. Real, real thing. Uh, birds, insects. Because our sense of rhythm is kind of an imposed thing, huh? We don't even listen to our heart, really. Uh, you know, and I bet people, if people probably could, we probably have the ability to hear our heartbeat, but we don't hear it. We tune it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, but yes, there's there are other rhythms that aren't metrical. Right. Well, you know, Elvin Jones even, right? <laughs> no, that different drummer. Uh, it's only a half hour you can find on YouTube.com. Because he played like the ocean, like in swells, right? So yeah, they couldn't play with me. Ron Carter narrates the thing and stuff. And But after Elvin Jones comes on the scene, drumming starts to change a little bit. Yeah, nothing. He was so great. So great. And you know, it's bitching Jimmy was talking about Mitch Mitchell. He goes, yeah, Mitch Mitchell is my Elvin Jones. Yeah. I mean, can I you love, imagine? I know, it's the most bitching thing. I have the same opinion. I'm of the same opinion. Yeah, yeah. Love I, Mitch Mitchell. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, there's just something. But, but, but see how it, uh, I'm trying to unite these two. I don't think there's such separate things, the field recording, and then, you know, you know figuring out a jazz swing or, you know. Well, that's how that's how this music sound composition stuff works. Is that you you start to put the the sound thing, the sound occurrence, in place of where we usually have like the rhythm guitar. I, I want this thump 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 of those tree branches hitting together, right. or I want I want the gurgle of the creek instead of the ride cymbal. Right, right. Okay. So, you know, I don't think maybe you're. 
you know, the daytime or like Franz Kafka said, the two desks, right? He worked at that insurance place. But I think the movie thing, no, the, the cinematic uh, perspective element, dimension, it's, I think, in your music, too. Yeah, I would call it, uh, I did call it, I, I do call it the theater of the ear. Okay. There's, almost, there's a proscenium arch you have left and right. It's like ideal for headphones, really. Right, right. But if you have a nice stereo, you get the effect. You can, the, the sound is all around you. There are ways to make the sound sound wider than just the two speakers yeah. by manipulating phase. And right, I, right. I, you can, it travels, right? Yes. It, it, and just to create that environment and how that works Almost, couples with what's happening inside your brain. Yeah, I was going to say brain floss. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like, going right, like earwig eating its way through. <laughs> Where can people find you on the internet, Dave? DavidSlusser.com. Yeah. D-A-V-I-D-S-L-U-S-S-E-R, one word, dot com. Yeah, people go there because there's a lot of good stuff there. You, and what's your, you next, can, what's your next plan? My next plan? I'm, I'm doing more sound composition. I'm, you know, working with this wonderful group of uh, San Francisco Bay Area musicians, there's always little projects you're working on. So I'm, I'm still doing more composition of parts. I have a couple of musicians. We're trading files right now during the pandemic, and just I'll add a part, and then I'll send it back to a friend. And some of this stuff, it's, it's between music and sound design. It's a lot a lot of improvised music. Also, I've uh, gotten into uh, playing on the Internet during the pandemic. We had a, one group of it got up to like 18 people at once uh, through a special server. Wow. And, and the latency was in a hell. Uh, well, we you'd play a type of music where the latency isn't as. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you, you just, know, a little looser. Yeah. Right. But, right. But we also learned how to do rhythmic things. And we're working off of a local server that we set up. So it kind of distributed the latency a little bit. There are ways to ignore the latency, work around it, or assign one person to carry the rhythmic load. And it works. But thank God, I'm getting out of that now because we're, I think we're going to start yeah. playing out, out in the open again. Right. And I, That's what I the hope vaccine's get... about, people. Don't get yep. carried away from that bullshit. That's how we're going to wrestle this thing and get a handle on it. Well, when you get I this have, new music, Dave, will you come back on the show and play it and discuss it with me? Absolutely. Anytime, Mike, you're doing such a favor to all the people that you're uh, looking into in your series. I certainly would. Oh, man. Thank you so much. Well, you're helping me, too. I never The lesson never lessens. <laughs> <laughs> or the lessons never lessen. People, it's been June 19, 2021 edition. Watt Peter Show. Keep your powder dry.